Into the Zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast, is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello and hi. Welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Shannon the Just Say No Boffman. (laughs) How's it going, Shannon? It's going, David. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, We, it's a Sunday, well, actually, I was about to say Sunday morning, uh, but I guess Sunday afternoons, I guess, are my Sunday mornings. Yeah, I feel that. But uh, apparently you did not have that. Uh, Apparently you were up, up and early. I was up early, but I stopped at my gas station around 12 and I told the lady there good morning. And then I was like, wait, good afternoon. And she Uh. was like... I just say back whatever the person says. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. That's good customer service. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Are you, I have a question. Are you a uh, morning person, night person? Um, I'm like a 9, 10 a.m. morning person. I feel that's everybody, though. Oh. Really? You're in the majority. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I'm definitely a night owl. Oh my yeah. god, I could stay up until like four o'clock in the morning. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, it's uh, I don't like it because <laughs> then I have to go to work early too. Oh my gosh! So wait, so you just stay up that late and then not all the time. I always try to force myself to go to sleep early, especially I have something you know the next like a job to go to, which starting next week I have to start commuting. But I've always wanted to like do an experiment where i see how long i can go without sleeping and go to work and whatever <laughs> what? uh, that's ballsy well i've never done it i've just oh, always wanted oh. to oh I see, I see. Well, um, anyways <laughs> i've never i've never like i have been uh, i feel like this maybe we should uh segue into um purging our sins i guess it just makes me think of me staying up all night like for uh, multiple days and i mean i wouldn't like do it to um like i don't know start seeing shit but oh do people do that oh yeah if you stay up too long oh, oh. yeah you'll start seeing shit I don't, I, my experiment wasn't for that purpose either. (laughs) I feel like you've always, I I don't know, I definitely have the problem going to movies and falling asleep just because it's a comfy environment. Yeah. Um, uh, Our friend Watto always makes fun of me for it. (laughs) It's so easy though. It's so dark and it feels so good in there. Mm -hmm. Especially since they got those recliners, like whenever they like made that fucking revelation and how much better it makes movies. I know. What? I can't remember the first movie I saw in the theater right after COVID, but I know for a fact I fell asleep. It was A Quiet Place 2, and I saw it with two of my friends, and Mm -hmm. I fell asleep. (laughs) It was quiet, too, that movie. It's quiet for a long time. (laughs) 
it's nice. It's nice to not hear. Uh, you know what's been driving me crazy is the cicadas. Like, I don't know if you can hear. I, I'm yeah. sure I've removed it in the audio, but oh my god, the cicadas in Texas are just fucking like making. I'll be laying in my bed at night. I need some like earmuffs or something because yeah. cicadas are fucking loud. I don't know what they're getting after. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I feel like it's like plague level. It's uh, true. Yeah, in Texas, it's uh, at least in our area, I feel it is. I always think about them. Yeah. They're gross. I hate them. Anyways, it's time for you to purge your sin. Um, okay, so Try we've to been avoid trying. that. I know, I know. <laughs> I was just trying to, like, make up something else because I didn't want to. Uh, okay, so um, I'll let Shannon introduce the topic, but uh, a part of, um, you know, a big part of uh, this episode will be, like, peer pressure, I, I can only assume. Um, and I guess back, it was like, we were talking about Halloween earlier and what we're going to do for that episode. Um, I think y'all like exactly, uh, what we, what we come up with. It might, <laughs> it might bring out some real guttural fear in right. you. Uh, anyways, uh, I remember I, it, it was, you know, just, I guess maybe in high school or something like that. Um, a few friends of mine, like had, you know. You know, we went over, we were gonna, we were still that age, like, I wanna go out and trick or treat. Like, I'm gonna get some motherfucking candy. You nice. Know? Um, I've always been like that. <laughs> like, Halloween's cool. Right? <laughs> well, okay. I've had a love hate, but anyway, hmm. um, I hate horror movies. That's why. Oh. Uh, you had to do it good. Um, anyways, um, I went over to my friend's house and they were like, okay, let's go to the grocery store. You know, um, I'm not sure for what reason at all, but, uh, we got bologna and I was like, why are we getting fucking bologna? Like, are we about to put, make like bologna sandwiches or something? Like, right. Um, no stranger to that, <laughs> but, uh, Jesus. Uh, so we brought it back to his place or like on the drive back, he was like, you know, saying, no, like if you like throw these pieces of bologna on people's cars, um, like if like say you know they're in for the night and it sits for a while yeah. when they go and see that piece of bologna when it mm-hmm. when they take it off the like it's like a perfect circle uh, the paint like just gets stripped what? off the car yeah and like we that went around that Halloween and like uh, wait a second I meant to ask you this so did you actually like see this like no I wasn't there the next morning. But so is it true though then? I'm not gonna pause the audio, but I do wanna Google it. I'm <laughs> right. I'm just like fucking Jesus. No, I mean it's just funny because like what if it's not true and you've just lived your whole life this whole time? <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. No. Did they just Mythbusters me? <laughs> I can't believe I was just going to live my life. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know if I'll take that out. But, uh, no, that's hilarious. Yeah, okay. No, that's a... That, oh, and you know what? Honestly, okay. Uh, I'm going to introduce today's topic, which we're talking about dare. And this is why this is so funny to me, because like kids get told things that are fake or you know not scientifically proven and they just believe them and they get talked into doing these crazy things like putting baloney on people's cars and it's Shannon, like can i just say that <sighs> i 
am so embarrassed on air. Oh my god, I can't believe I see that's the fucking power. That's I was gonna believe power. you, David. Yeah, yeah, that's the fucking power of like you know people who don't like know their shit. I know. I'm glad, I'm glad our show can provide. You know, but least, honestly, least, like I was oh just my, like, oh my god, thinking. Well, because my first question to you wasn't going to be that. It was going to be who were you with, and then I I just thought about it. I was like. Someone who can drive drove these kids to buy baloney. <laughs> <laughs> they just get some free baloney out of it. Like, I'm sure we didn't use all of it. <laughs> and then it was like, why would someone just do that? <laughs> oh my God, that is so funny. People are crazy. I would have believed that too. I feel like you shouldn't be embarrassed. Like, I honestly, like, it just sounds like one of those things, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I I, see now I want to know, like, I'm sure you don't know, like, right off the top of your head, but I'm sure it'll come up in in future episodes, like, something that you believe that. Oh, I I could think, yes. Do you think of any, like, off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I don't know, but I know that that's happened because both Daniel and my one of my moms does that to me all the time. They just say things Mm. and they sound so true, and I just live my life believing them. Same, same though. I think that's where like the conspiratorial, like, like deep seated conspiratorial anxiety thing <laughs> happens for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. We talked about it on like a previous episode. Like always being conspiratorial. I was talking about it earlier today, actually, this morning. Yeah. Anyways, Shannon, do you want to introduce? My the, mind is blown. Uh, I know. I know. Sorry, I, y'all. I, I can't believe like my. That's the perfect. Uh, into purging your sins. Yeah, and Lord. so kind of like I said, we're talking about dare, which um, stood stands for stood for however you want to look at it by the end of this episode. Drug abuse resistance education. <laughs> Drug abuse resistance education. Sorry, I'm just kind of thinking about those words. Anyways, yeah. David, um, what do you remember about dare from your childhood, or you know? Um, I, you know, it wasn't, I don't remember whenever we were in school together, this was like middle school and on, I think, like right around there, that I don't remember any like really dare education. I think it was like kind of on the back burner or Hmm. something, or there was always like, you know, fucking posters up like you know yeah but i mean prior to fifth grade i remember that we would have um you know assemblies um we, when we were little we were here and uh, didn't count yeah yeah and, me too uh so you know nonetheless we like you know just saw this like i remember like police officers this this is like tiny david we always talk about tiny david <laughs> and purging your sins i did a lot of a lot of shit um <laughs> but nonetheless like i just remember like going to these assemblies and there would be like authority figures like coming yeah. to our schools and be like yo like not cool and i just like i felt i i felt when i was that young i didn't like fully understand like the nuances of the war on drugs and shit and then the just say no and and shit like that yeah it was more like an ethereal um maybe i'm using that wrong like a moral a moral quandary that they presented you with and like do you like you know want to i don't know um 
be peer pressured. It, it, it you know kind of ties it back to you know the opening segment. Um, because I, I feel that was a big part, you know, of it. Like, don't give in to peer pressure. Yeah. It's even, you know, resistance in the fucking, you know, um, yeah. letter R. Yeah. Um, hmm. What about you? Yeah, that's interesting. I, so it, you know, I didn't, I, I went to school in the same elementary school in the same town you did, but we went to different elementary schools. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't remember the assemblies until you said that. But yeah, now that I think about it, we had um, Red Ribbon Week, which was really weird. Like you. Oh, that is right. <laughs> Do that you was... remember that now? Oh, yeah, like no. you had to like I didn't know the wear crazy hats, hats off for drugs, but probably not that. But oh, <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Like crazy, crazy sock day. And um, I don't know. There was just different wacky days like that that were for whatever reason supposed to keep us off drugs but what i was also (laughs) thinking about was um you mentioned because it was middle school when at least uh your sister and i were in the same grade and Mm -hmm. i feel like it was sixth grade that i recall like someone came in and showed us the drugs, <laughs> like oh, what no. they looked like and like talked to us about them and everything. And I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that was sixth we were, grade. We were in separate schools. Yeah. Like that's where the cutout point was, fifth, sixth. Uh, so. so maybe I was just kind of the last victim there. Uh, <laughs> they showed you real drugs, prepared you. <laughs> this is what it looks like. So yeah, yeah I um, but yeah, I don't know. Now that I think about it, um, kind of before we dive into this too, because there's a few things I guess I should say. Um, a couple of our upcoming episodes, including this one, um, were inspired by one of my favorite podcasts. It's called "You're Wrong About," um, and so I just want to shout out to them because, um. I think that our podcast kind of approaches this issue differently, but a lot of the facts and things that are going to come up, I definitely got from a lot of their resources. So shout out to them for that. And then the other thing was, is there were a few things, um, they actually have an episode about dare as well. Um, and there were a few things that they said but didn't really hone in on that I was kind of like, wait, that was a weird thing. And now that I think about it, Red Ribbon Week was really one of those things. And like, I don't know, David, can we just talk about that for a second? Like, what do you remember from Red Ribbon oh, Week? You know, you know, when you said it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you hear, I remember hearing the term Red Ribbon Week. But I was like, why are, why, why are we so, I know, I like slurred my words, just to, I mumbled my words, Jesus. Um, anyways, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Red Ribbon Week. It's hard. Yeah, it's a, that's a mouthful. Um, but nonetheless, I... I was like, I didn't even really realize that it was about, uh, like, trying to keep kids off drugs. Like, I never heard, like, drug resistance week, you know, or, like, um, I didn't equate it to drugs. I was just like, why are we doing these fucking wacky-ass days? And I, like, it lost my attention. I'm trying to even remember, like, what the red ribbon came from, like... (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's interesting yeah like where is that parallel oh just like i don't know like 
it's always just like a pin on your you're wearing yeah. a pin for something or like you know breast cancer awareness or something like that right like it's maybe an equivalent of that and it's weird that they try to use that tactic yeah <laughs> and to, like to, it's like okay let's make it like a full ass week let's uh like make them dress up look like idiots um, I always remember like the people who would always do it like way overboard and I'm like, dude, like I can't handle you right now. I'm here to like, I like school. I liked learning. So like, I mean, I, I wasn't like a fucking hard ass about it, you know? Yeah. But I did like going to class and be like, oh my God, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're fucking like. This is about you, right? Right. <laughs> you dressing up, Jesus. That's exactly, you know, that's Drawing so interesting. Eye. It's almost like, now that you say that, it is kind of like a cult's mentality like oh you're fostering oh that in god. them like oh my god either you're that's a macro level idea <laughs> oh my god either you're a part of the herd or you're not either you're like Oof. wearing wacky socks or you're david and you actually give a shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, there were certain classes i did not Spanish, right Spanish, did but not. you know what i mean like that's just i don't I guess I just don't understand the rhetoric behind that. Like, I don't. Yeah, there's layers. There's multiple layers of rhetoric behind that. Yeah. There's the drug thing, and then there's the cliches in school and high schools and shit. Yeah. The fucking ignorance and then academic layer of, yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I go on. Yeah. Lord. Wow. That even makes this like so much worse. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think, you know, when we get into the research, um You wanna go ahead and jump in? Yeah, I do. I, I was just gonna say, um, like I said that you're wrong about episode is really great to listen to if you really want more of the fundamentals of this, but like there were just some things that struck me that I was like, David and I need to spend a little more time talking about that because what the heck you activated a part of my brain when you said red god damn it i was gonna say it wrong again red ribbon week yeah, yeah you definitely brought up i know because I, I, I didn't even equate the two i know i and i honestly don't even know how like in conjunction those are but i it was like when you were talking about those assemblies and it's like i don't know and i feel like they kind of talk about this and we might talk about this a little bit later too but it was like you always ended with some kind of like pizza or ice cream or party at the end of the week for yeah, yeah. for what staying off drugs when you were eight <laughs> I, went a week. I was sober a week as a child <laughs> hats off to me <laughs> like pat myself on the back um, so I, I opened with this fact because this was something, whenever we first talked about doing this episode, you really, um, I don't know if harked is the word, but you were like, Nancy Reagan. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Interesting woman. Um, but yeah, so D.A.R.E. drug abuse resistance education was a byproduct of Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign and America's War on Drugs. In essence, D.A.R.E. was the youth-directed arm of these campaigns. D.A.R.E.'s original curriculum was not shaped by prevention specialists, but by police officers and teachers in Los Angeles. D.A.R.E. was founded in 1983 as a partnership between the Los Angeles Police Department and the L.A. Public Schools. 
Oh, okay. Wow. Okay, 83. I was like thinking like it was like 94 uh like after like, King. yeah like i know like it's crazy how far back how far back this goes wow um and so to kind of bring it forward just a little bit um and before kind of continuing on i wanted to talk to something i uh, talk about something i brought up with david earlier mm-hmm. and that was kind of how this whole just say no thing and and kind of like you were trying to say earlier, I think this sort of moral panic or um, moral predicament, um, you know, it it continued on in different um, facets of society. So I I was telling David, I was watching... um, the spinoff of American Horror Story called American Horror Stories. And they had this episode that um, centered around censorship and kind of, I think the gist of the episode itself is like, how far do we as a society allow censorship to go? Um, but was what was interesting is they talked um, a little bit about Tipper Gore and um, are, are you familiar with Tipper Gore at all? Not at all. So Tipper Gore, she's Al Gore's wife, I think, or she's his mother. Sorry if I have that wrong. I'm pretty sure she's his wife. Um, <clears throat> she kind of like, what's the word? Carried on Nancy Reagan's legacy, I feel like. Um, she joined with other prominent Washington wives to um, found found to find she founded the parents music resource center um their chief target was explicit material that was accessible to children um gore had become personally aware of the availability of what they called porn rock when her 11 year old daughter Karenna bought prince's purple rain because she liked the song let's go crazy when mother and daughter listened to another song on the album, Darling Nikki, which described a girl masturbating with a magazine in a hotel lobby, Gore was astounded. Her concerns were largely based on her background as a psychologist who was aware of children's vulnerability to media influences. And, and they talk about how this... Um, you know, this along with kind of the Just Say No campaign, um, well, not really the Just Say No campaign, but sort of the um, tenets of freedom that Nancy Reagan was also kind of initiating. And mm-hmm. um, they people were kind of saw this as an attack on liberalism and the First Amendment. And um, throughout the 1980s, President Ronald Reagan administered or President Ronald Reagan's administration had campaigned to rid the country of material classified as offensive. Um, And so it's interesting to me when we think about the censorship of materials and I think now bringing this into the zeitgeist, the censorship of drugs, Um, because science has shown just like it has with works of art such as music movies and what have you and that certain drugs can you know 
help people cope with, you know, certain things. Exactly. And so you think about, I, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because I think it's interesting to think of censorship as, you know, it is detrimental to the first amendment and freedom and liberalism and doing that with drugs as well mm-hmm. is potentially kind of leading to, you know what I'm, what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's not going to get us anywhere because certain people are going to keep using drugs. Just like certain people are going to keep listening to it's Marilyn like an, it's Manson. A, it's societally it's endemic. Cause it's just everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's even something, at least for me, um, something that I can recognize, you know, when I think I I made the dividing line, like they they always say that, you know, um, marijuana or, you know, they even, I think you even mentioned later on, like even cigarettes are like a gateway drug to Yeah, coffee is fucking a gateway drug to even harder things. And I think, like, after, you know, having those, you know, assemblies or Red Ribbon Week, once I got more information about the subjects, I was, you know, like, okay, like, there's a little, there's a little bit, you know, I, I know that dividing, I knew from a very young age what that dividing line was, like, where it kind of went too far. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, Changed a little bit in college, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, no. Uh, so nonetheless, like I just think of, uh, you know, what I was also thinking of that, like I can't get my mind off of is that I mentioned it, and you kind of briefly mentioned it again. The like the moral um, aspect of it, like I don't know, it kind of when you said it, it kind of made me come across as like. We were this young getting this, like, information stuffed in our face. And yeah. it's a little brainwashy. Yeah. It's a little brainwashy. And I kind of don't like it. And it's it's information that's only being told to you from one specific source. Boom. It connects back to purging your sins. Me being told the baloney will fucking strip yeah. the paint off cars. Jesus. Oh, my God. No, but for real. So, I mean, think about it. If we had just taken... Everything a DARE officer said to us at face value, we wouldn't know that marijuana helps cancer patients. We wouldn't be willing to understand that psilocybin can help PTSD victims. Like, if we just took it at face value, then, like, you're only you're only seeing it one way, and a way of seeing... Is also a way of not seeing. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I was like, when you started saying it, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that, it felt right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, I, I think that that'll connect later on. Maybe, maybe if I don't come up with another takeaway. Yeah. What, what else? So, we got? let's go back to the Dare program because yes. we're about to get into. Another thing I, I really wanted David and I to talk about. So um, as we said, this program was um, targeted towards children and it wasn't shaped or created by prevention specialists or 
therapists or counselors, but by police officers and teachers. Um, Glenn Levant was a commander in the Los Angeles Police Department when then-police chief Daryl Gates hit on the idea of sending police officers into classrooms to educate young people about drugs. The idea was simple. Officers would go into schools to talk to kids, boosting the self-esteem of students so that they can resist the temptation to use drugs, as the Los Angeles Times put it in a 10-year retrospective on the program in 1993. They started D.A.R.E. to curb the use of drugs, alcohol, and tobacco among teens and to improve community police relations. And, I mean, we're going to get into more about the you know dynamics surrounding that but first impressions david um i I, yeah i don't know i don't know like i guess just being like around your peers and like kind of experiencing the same thing at the same time as them it it kind of my mind goes to that like the like is this motherfucker beside me is like he better like provide me crack or something like oh my gosh um but yeah nothing really um you know what do you think what what are you what about you well what do you think about the fact that this was created by police officers and teachers yeah you know people you know i'm okay uh, this is what i'll say I am great. I'm, I think I'm an administrative extraordinaire. You want something done like administratively? Like, I got you. Yeah. I got you, boo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I am not the best at like, you know, editing audio or like, I, I'm thinking of like in the podcast terms, like, I'm not the best at marketing either. I see where um, you're going with this. Like, I, <laughs> you know, people have their specializations, like a little bit of, role clarity is kind of a fun because i kind of put myself in the administrative vein you know but others you know uh, people are smarter than myself people smarter than myself can do a lot more um so to speak but i'm i don't know that 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 comes to mind for me um and you know police i don't know if maybe they're the best to tell us what i mean they like dictate you know the the law obviously but it, it, there's a funnel there's like step one it, it, we talk about psychology uh, psychology that's like what right. we should base it on and then we should bring them to the police and be like how do we implement this in schools you know and so maybe it was a little out of order so to speak right i mean i'm just picturing you know this police officer comes in dressed in full uniform to talk to you about drugs and you know maybe you've as a child you saw like one of your parents was some that looked something that looked similar you know hiding in a in a drawer or whatever that you accidentally (laughs) opened and then it's like you're being told that like people who use the substance you know are the worst kinds of people they're criminals Mm -hmm. you know it's how is that improving community relations with the police right yeah and I'm thinking, you know, um, I, I, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I'm I'm just thinking of like, 
Yeah, well, now where there are states where certain drugs are legalized and, you know, there's certain inner cities or like you can just you think were talking of about, uh, mushrooms earlier. And yeah. Like, you know, it's less prevalent than marijuana now. But um, yeah, like in states that like I think it's Colorado, right? Yeah, I think so. Or, yeah, or, or like that Denver Oregon. area. Woo, woo, you still live there? Yeah, I mean, it just, it doesn't add up to me when you're thinking about it logically, I guess. Hmm. And and you're absolutely right. Like, sure, like maybe introduce law enforcement at a stage of the program, but you start with the fundamentals of like how drugs affect you and like actually learning about like the potential consequences or recreation of it, but you don't start with just coming in with a gun and a badge and saying, (laughs) just say no. Right. Right. I think I said it earlier. Authority Mm -hmm. figure, um, as whenever like being that young, you just know it's an authority figure coming in and telling, you no. exactly. I don't know. We talked about brainwashing earlier, but it gives me like uh, 1984 vibes too. Yeah, that's um, a good. That's a really good point. <sighs> Whew. Yeah. yeah, surveillance. The surveillance of it all, because that's the that's what's on the other side of it too, right? Is some kid is like, oh, like my dad has that in mm. his. I looked at my drawer daddy's drawer, my sock, his sock drawer, and found his. I don't know. Looks like fucking look like a dildo or something it's just a fucking pipe right you know? jesus i mean it's it's messed up anyways so um where were we um so there was a study conducted by Berkland, murphy graham and weiss where several police officers were interviewed and remarked upon their success at improving their public images they explained that dare has made them seem quote, more human, unquote, in the eyes of children in the community. Children gain respect not only for their D.A.R.E. officers, but for other police officers as well. Police officers see this as a reason to continue implementing the program, even in the face of negative evaluation evidence. As an officer in one Massachusetts town that continues to implement the D.A.R.E. program explained, Spending time in schools also helps officers do their work because they get to know the children in a casual, non-threatening environment. Later, interactions proceed more smoothly. In one interview, an officer stated, I'll be out working something and I'll have to have my hat on. And sometimes people don't recognize me with my hat and I'll start confronting them and they start giving me a hard time. But as soon as they realize I'm Officer Brown, Oh, Officer Brown, and they're nice, and they listen to what I have to say and stop what they're doing. I think some of the other officers are like, oh, the kids wave with all of their fingers now instead of just one. Oh, my God. That's funny. Um, and, like, that just sounds, like, so fake. <laughs> can, I, can I talk about something real quick? Yeah. So I'm thinking of, I think in particular it was, there's a turning, you know, we always have these generational divides and, you know, the ways that we think. And, yeah. You know, I, I do want guests on to bring, you know, 
you know, another point of view, but, you know, I would like somebody of a different generational, you know, age gap, maybe even older, you know, come in and tell me what they thought about, um, like parents definitely perceived deer in a certain way and then kids did right. as well. And I don't know if it was like the backlash from Dare or just the stuff that was being shoved down our throat. Cause I feel like even in, even in fifth grade that like I'm thinking of the, the food pyramid and how yeah. that's like not, not a thing anymore. Oh my God. Um, that's a great thing. That comparison. was like being shoved down our throat too. And I was just like, uh, um, but the generational divides, like I feel like in particular, I felt like our grade in particular, especially when we got into, I think our senior junior year, like, it's just like, we didn't give a shit about anything. Like, um, I don't know, very narcissistic of us. Um, hmm. it, like, you know, even comes up with a uh, climate change too. like, like, I don't know. Of these, like, oh my god, like, we, I think maybe that's where the narcissistic tendencies came into, I get what you're like, saying. like we're kind of fucked, you know, yeah. um, and there's like no point, you know. I think we were a little crazy as a class, um, but nonetheless, like, I just, I, I also want to tie it back to what, what you were just talking about about the, you know, this police officer. Um, I, I want to go back to the what I said uh, in the you know, what I was remembering about it, I said authority figure. Yeah. Like, and being that young, you just, um, I don't know, it brings back that, you know, um, big brother type stuff. But it's funny to, to think about these officers. <laughs> like, this is what they need. I highlighted here to bring up, um, like, the... Using the phrase, uh, here, I'll just say, jump in. It says, they explain that dare has made them seem more human. Right. And that insinuates that they're not human. Yes. And it's like inhuman, like what it would, like power hungry individuals. Exactly. You know? like, Jesus Christ. Yes. That, that's, yes. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's. It's almost like a form of manipulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, brainwashing. It's brainwashing. brainwashing, it's manipulation, and it's to children. Mm -hmm. Report. <sighs> oh my gosh. Wild stuff. We're getting to some deep philosophical arguments, too. I yeah. love it. Um, and though you're wrong about podcasts, one of the hosts has this... 10 out of 10 anecdote and you should definitely go listen to it but i'm gonna retell it best i can here and so he is from um oregon and he's saying he remembers when being a kid in school and the dare officer coming and they're like all in the auditorium or cafeteria or whatever and the officer comes out and he's like some young rookie cop you can tell like he just has nothing better to do today than go and tell these kids not to do drugs very apathetic well for whatever reason this guy's opening line is kids don't do drugs Portland, or I don't know if he says Portland or Seattle has some of the most potent marijuana. <laughs> and he says that, and all the kids just like stand up and start cheering. Nice. <laughs> it's like a like like, badge, of, badge of honor for, just, for the Northwest. <laughs> I just, it's like, oh, what? 
it's that ill logic of it all. Like it doesn't, I can't, I, I just can't even form words around it, David. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to think of like, uh, it sounds like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he sounded like he was just very apathetic with being there and, and didn't want to really be a part of it. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's like, <sighs> Did anybody? <laughs> Parents, definitely. Yeah. Politicians. Well, we'll get into that, won't we? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um. So, kind of continuing on with how Dare grows and evolves, it's fueled by word of mouth. The program quickly spread to seventy-five percent of U.S. schools. Um. Over. For over roughly 15 years, D.A.R.E. was a hallmark of public education. At its peak in the early 90s, D.A.R.E. cost, D.A.R.E. cost taxpayers an estimated $600 million to $750 million a year. The program drew bipartisan praise and spread like wildfire. Politicians realized that by supporting D.A.R.E., they could paint themselves as pro-cops and pro-kids. A win-win. President Ronald Reagan proclaimed the first National D.A.R.E. Day in 1988, a tradition that continued well into the Obama administration. Although immensely popular and touted by politicians, parents, and school officials, D.A.R.E. had one glaring problem didn't work <laughs> are you ready david <laughs> wow <laughs> that's that's a lot of money it's a ton of money yeah like to be pumped in and it's funny that we were in school whenever like or, well okay it says early 90s we we were more like late 90s 2000s yeah. but maybe we were I, I mean, don't think we were catching the tail end of it because it was still it was yeah. still pretty pumping. Um, yeah, because you know I feel like it was. Yeah, it was every year. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it was like every semester, but yeah, like at least every year we would have some. Maybe it was even spread out like these assemblies, and then like Red Ribbon Week would be like you know, I feel like there was a lot of things like that, but I don't know. Um. There's Word something of mouth. It's, a, it's a crazy thing. There's something so unsettling to me about politicians realizing that by supporting Dare, they're painting themselves as pro cops and pro kids. There's just something unsettling about that to me. Like somehow those things shouldn't go together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a weird, weird combo of uh, just things like. Like, that sounds almost like, what? what's that called? Like, a military state or something? It's fine. <laughs> like, what's it, like, whenever you live in, like, a country where it's, like, ruled by the law enforcement or whatever, mm -hmm. isn't that a thing? Right. That's what it sounds like. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I need you to explain that a little bit more. Well, so, like, if you're pro-cops and pro-kids, like... I don't know. I just I'm I just keep imagining like I don't like know a little armies a being of like, like I love kids. Yeah. Or, and then like not kiss a baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Exactly. Uh, you know what it, I was thinking of? I was thinking like I love the show House of Cards. Oh, it's such there a great you go. show. But it's like these people who maybe uh 
I'm sure some people like really do care about the children, but you know, it's kind of like, oh, I got to show people that I care about children and yes. shit like that. It's just, I need to, I need to get another, you know, sect of voters to, you know, continue to vote for me and shit like that. And in the terms of like local police officers, just gain some repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> Anyways, so the war on drugs hysteria was um, ramping through the American psyche. Um, there is paranoid me- media coverage, the Just Say No campaign, and a policy of mass incarceration for drug-related offenses. In this environment, D.A.R.E. was introduced to school-aged children by police officers rather than substance abuse prevention specialists. As such, the curriculum tended to focus on punitive consequences versus rehabilitative education. From TV ads to bumper stickers to large-scale events, the D.A.R.E. program presented a facade of success for years. Policymakers and politicians, as well as stakeholders who profited from selling D.A.R.E.'s curriculum, were fast to dismiss questions of the D.A.R.E.'s program efficacy. Um, A study conducted by Lloyd Johnston of the University of Michigan found that marijuana use more than doubled among eighth graders between 1991 and 1994. Two-thirds of eighth graders have tried alcohol. A quarter say they still drink. 28% say they have been drunk at least once. Smoking among Eighth graders rose 30% between 1991 and 1994. And that's what the study found. And so this is like peak dare. Um, And more kids are using drugs and drinking. (laughs) Can I uh, what I I was thinking of while while we were talking about this, um, or you were talking about this, excuse me, um, that was, you know, I don't know if it, I, Forget if it's Spain or Portugal. I know it's that peninsula right there. I don't know um, if it's where all drugs are legal, um, and like all they have like rehabilitative sort services. Oh, okay. Um, and they just like, uh, you know, it's not a sign of you know weakness there. Well, I mean. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that specifically, but they just, I guess maybe it's even having that information out there. Like if you get involved with it and you know, it's a problem, like you can go in and, you know, get some help rather than being like, Oh no, it's bad. Cause then it leads to some negative consequences like being, i.e., you know, going to prison, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it also makes me think of, you know, in Europe, uh, where the drinking age is way younger. Um, it's, it was, 18, right? No, it's way younger than that, right? Um, I think it, it's, it varies, like, in different... Yeah, yeah, different places. But, yeah, just, like, it's uh, more of a... It's prevalent younger in their minds that, like, it's okay. Um, or it's just around, and it's not, it's not something that we have to obsess over. It makes me think of, you know, how we think of it over here in at least the America, um, the USA... Uh, you know, whenever you get to 21, you're supposed to fucking go so hard. Uh, yeah. When you, go, when you get to 21 and like over there, it's like you're introduced to it younger. So it's like a part of your life and you, 
I mean, you can have those days. Like, I'm sure you and I, I remember you and I, you know, having some, some good times yeah. on the Denton Square and shit like that, you know? So, uh, but, you know, you can also be casual about it, you know? Yeah. And, and have a, you know, in-depth conversation. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point, too, because I feel like there's something about almost like U.S. culture in, in particular where it's like we don't have that mindset where like things will be okay if you just you know prepare people and give them the information and the material that they need to learn and this is about so many things right this is about not just um using drugs but it's about having sex it's about watching movies it's about reading books yeah staying abstinent yeah with the church <laughs> yeah and so it, it's weird this mindset that we have it, it in uh, what you made me think of um in a weird way is you know a, a lot of times having a mental health issue or something like that it's you know not something that we're supposed to openly talk about in our culture for some reason, I feel like. And that kind of goes back to the heart of the problem with dare. It's like, well, if you're feeling the need to use drugs, what's the underlying issue there that's, you know, pushing you to do that? Is it peer pressure? Is it something else? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Like, do you, would some kind of other medication help you? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll disclose that I have anxiety. And as soon as I started taking a medication, like even driving was easier for me, but it's like, you get so stuck in that mindset of being like, oh, I shouldn't need, you know, medication or whatever to feel better but then it's like you end up self-medicating with like right you alcohol or whatever you you get other vices in there that might not be uh best suited and at the end of the day no one's pushing or, or no one pushed us when we were kids towards seeking like mental health guidance instead it was just like don't do drugs or you'll get arrested very black and white conversation rather than like uh i don't know a little more personal yeah or like a spectrum of like knowledge Mm -hmm. no i definitely relate with the anxiety thing and it's funny you say that whenever i uh, whenever we started working from home uh, i got to a point in my job where i uh just couldn't focus on anything um and i got like really worried like um it was like I knew how important my where I you know I purchased things at that time and like we had a lot of shit going on and I needed to use the you know privileges that I had to get yeah. that stuff done but I just couldn't do it and that's when I talked to somebody and um, kind of that you know I realized ADHD was a thing yeah and, you know I had heard about it or whatever um, just it's funny you mental mentioned the mental illness thing uh, you know part about it because like. We didn't really talk. Yeah, it's uh, you know about it, but like you don't. It wasn't like in my face, so to speak, until like it was, um, and then you know, I was thinking about like taking you know anxiety medication. I've had that recently, but like also with ADHD meds, like that. It's kind of uh, I don't know. You feel ostracized in a way for I don't know having these um, underlying things and it just gives me vibes of that um kind of mentality 
Like, yes, they were talking about the, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'm having a hard time circling it back into the conversation, but um, yeah, no, it was funny that you brought up the mental illness thing. Well, I just think that, and, and maybe right here, right now, we're solving part of the problem with like that generational divide that you're talking about, where we, you know, didn't care. It's because you know people didn't give us options they gave us black and white they told us this or that this is right this is wrong and there wasn't any room to explore that until you finally you know if you were privileged enough to go to college to have that experience where you know you I I mean I honestly didn't even know that much about mental health before I was in college like I didn't recognize how critical that is to our development um and i i just think that dare sort of threw a wrench into the idea of educating yourself instead of just accepting authority at face value which uh, yeah like you said an authority figure it's what's that experiment where they had the people dress in lab coats and convinced them to like electrocute each other? I'm not sure I'm familiar. There's like this old experiment. I'm sure our listeners or someone out there knows, but um, yeah, they like brought people into a room and they, the scientists like dressed in lab coats and they explained that when they pressed a button, it was going to like shock, this person in the other room and they were like you need to press the button and so the people were just accepting what the doctors were telling them to do and shocking these people and the experiment was supposed to relate back to like how um nazis like um got people to do things or like how hitler got nazis to kind of bend to his will and it's like that you can't just give people one option because they'll execute or like electrocute someone (laughs) maybe even themselves right oh my gosh yeah it's weird this conversation uh, we're we're definitely getting to some nice nuances of authority like in the perceptions around them i quite quite enjoy it i don't know um now it kind of makes me think of uh you know we can probably lead into the next part about yeah. how it related to, you know, parents. I know, I know. You keep bringing up, like, the, it seems like parents are the only ones on D.A.R.E.'s side here. <laughs> um, and maybe that's because D.A.R.E. began creating literature for parents, such as the book Keeping Kids Drug-Free, with its 2,000-word glossary of slang terms and questionnaires designed to gauge a child's stress level. The book was an out-of-touch, or the book was out-of-touch at best, and an attempt to scare parents at worst. (laughs) For example, if your child answered yes to did something happen, or if they tried hard to win a game in the questionnaire then parents should be wary of possible drug use. Many critics lambasted the book as a border, as borderline fraudulent, while harsher critics reserved that term for the D.A.R.E. program itself. Oh, 
What do you think some of those slang terms were? <laughs> you know, what I was thinking of, I was like, like I'm sure I kind of go down the rabbit holes of YouTube sometimes. I even did it, yeah, for the uh, for this dare episode. I kind of, I, lo- I love going to YouTube and just seeing all these <laughs> yeah. things. Um, it made me think of the commercials, but also specifically with this conversation, like the news programs uh, that come up, like a uh, oh nightly news, like oh, yeah? breaking breaking news, like people in this town are addicted to like cheese. Yes, and- <laughs> I was what the fuck is cheese like, right? And then they have to fucking go into it and explain what the fuck cheese is. And I don't even remember what it was. And but. then it's like if they had shown that on the news, I never would have heard of cheese. Right? It's like, you got me interested. Like, why is this why is this drug called cheese like and going then, around? And then you go to school and you're like looking, because I remember cheese was like they were like, look under your kids' fingernails. And I would like look at everyone's fingernails. Oh like, have you been doing cheese? It's like the one guy. With like the, the yes. long ass pinky nail. Yes. Oh <laughs> I, my one God. of my favorite movies is The Big Lebowski, and uh, he, I guess, uh, talks like has this interaction with this dude named uh, Jesus or whatever. Yeah. And whenever he's rolling the uh, bowling ball, he has like just the the pinky oh, yeah. painted, and it's like <laughs> extra long. And I'm like, oh my God, sweet cheese. This for his cheese. <laughs> um, yeah, his cheese, Jesus. That's funny. What do you think? Can you come up with any? Uh, I just remember them being so fucking wild. Uh, the slang terms. Yeah, There's how out of touch parents are. I could probably make some up. I bet you. Um, let's see. A, a well, David, have you heard of a blueberry tootsie roll? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> Inform me. I don't know. I just made <laughs> yeah, that I know. Up. I made that one. <laughs> uh, let me see. Um, let me see. Uh, I can just imagine. I, I, I think of angel dust. Like, what the oh, fuck yeah, is angel dust? Angel <laughs> like, oh my God. That oh sounds like God. a fucking like, out of body experience. Oh my God. I will say, I'll just own this in this episode. Uh-huh. Um, I don't do drugs. Um, but <laughs> I was watching something, or maybe I heard someone say it, but they said eight ball. And I was like, what oh is my ball? So I had to like Google it and go to like Urban Dictionary. That's so funny. But you know what? I've heard it in like TV shows like two or three times since I looked it up. And I'm like, have I just been hearing eight ball and assuming someone's talking about like pool this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> There you go. I Does mean, that make I mean, you feel just, better? That's for just your like this, it brings the surveillance thing back into it. You just kind of like the websites like Urban Dictionary are fueled on shit like this. Like you know, <laughs> like ooh, what the fuck is a what would what did you say? Blueberry twist or something? Blueberry tootsie yeah. roll. Oh my god! Someone go add that to the Urban oh Dictionary. Dream it to believe it. I'm lactose, but what the fuck is cheese? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of party. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man, you know, I feel like it's fair that we're joking since the Derek program was a joke. <laughs> For over a decade, research cast doubt on the program's benefits. The effectiveness of DARE in altering students' drug use behavior has yet to be established, um, concluded a University of Illinois at Chicago study in 1991. So at this point, the program's been going on for just shy of 10 years. (laughs) And we're like, probably not, but... 
they're like, let's keep going. Um, the Department of Justice funded the first national study of D.A.R.E., and the results were made public in 1994, and they showed only only small short-term reductions in participants' use of tobacco, but not alcohol or marijuana. A 2009 report by, Justi- by um, the Department of Justice referred to 30 subsequent evaluations that also found no significant long-term improvement in teen substance abuse. The Justice Department was so incensed by this unexpected finding that they refused to publish the study. Um, according to a contemporaneous news report, um, Dare's executive director said, I don't get it. <laughs> that is what Dare's executive director said of the study's findings. He said he goes on to say, it's like kicking Santa Claus to me. We're as pure as the driven snow. The shit, the shit adults say. They're you like, know, like, you know, that old, old TV show uh, where, like, the kids say the darndest, darndest things. things like, yeah. fucking, I think you Adults. had another quote uh, earlier about this the guy being uh, like, oh, what I put on the hat. Oh, <laughs> like, my God, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, <sighs> oh, yeah. And the whole, the kids only, the kids wave at us with all their fingers now, not oh, just one. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When I read that, I was just like... I wish you could see the finger I'm giving you right now. Um, anyways. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know. This also just kind of makes me think of like a religion of some sort. Like, I don't know. They're like, hmm. this isn't working, but we're pure and we have good intentions. So don't publish this study that shows that it's not working. Um, it's almost like Scientology it. or something. It's literally the start <laughs> of the quote. It's like, quote, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I feel like, yeah, that, I don't know. It's, it's, it, uh, that's gotta be like what Scientologists think about, like on their boats <laughs> or whatever. We're as pure as the driven snow. Oh my God. Oh, anyways, so the Department of Justice, um, which was funding DARE through federal grants, they were giving these grants to DARE. Um, they ordered for a large scale report to be conducted by the Research Triangle Institute, which is the most prestigious research organization of its kind. I had never heard about it until this, but it's very prestigious, I hear. Have you ever heard of that, David? No, not at all. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I was reading over your notes before, I was really curious. I was like, "Ooh, okay. What is this?" Yeah. Um, but I, I get the feeling that they're kind of like the IRB or something like that. You know, like the International Review Board. Oh, like you know how programs have to like association. I don't know. Let's move on. (laughs) Sorry. Um. Anyways, so um. After analyzing large amounts of metadata that showed D.A.R.E. simply did not work, D.A.R.E. actually resorted to legal action in an attempt to squelch the report. D.A.R.E.'s reluctance to incorporate data to adapt its curriculum is arguably one of the reasons why the D.A.R.E. program failed. So this whole time, they've basically just been using what's that called like anecdotes <laughs> to perpetuate dare like there's no like statistical evidence that this works people are paying millions of millions in tax dollars right 
Like, hmm. I just, it's so hard to wrap your head around this, I, I feel like. Yeah. It's like suppression of information. So, behavioral scientists started to suggest a different approach as early as 1998, based on research into successive behavior change techniques. Instead of bombarding students with information in 45-minute lectures, they called for a hands-on program that would build communication and decision-making skills and let children rehearse these tactics via role-play. Who doesn't love a good role play, David? <laughs> but it's... Uh, hey, David, uh, after school, me and some of the kids are going to go smoke joints uh, behind the girls' locker room. Do you want to come with us? Um, you know, I have to go to my advisor. What time <laughs> are you going? I need to schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I literally had to pencil you in. <laughs> like, I flip over my notebook. <laughs> David, there's 400 kids in our high school. You don't have an advisor. <laughs> oh. Shit, I do mean nothing. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and my life changed. <laughs> but it. just imagine the 13-year-old boys are doing this in, like, their classrooms. Like, I just... I don't know if you've ever seen a 12 or 13 year old boy who is uh, like trying to peer pressure right. the high boys like, let's go smoke some weed <laughs> like under, the, some yeah, weed. under the fucking bleachers or whatever the uh, fuck. Oh, my God. Uh, anyways, but I guess they're trying to make these improvements slowly enough. Hmm. Um, Do you? Go ahead. Do you think that I know it's hard to um, put yourself back in those shoes, but do you think that would have been better for us or yourself um, if they kind of did this strategy instead? Mm, not I would just feel I would feel anxious being put in the spotlight. I'd be like, oh my god. Yeah, or I mean, even if they did like a demonstration themselves, like where they role played for the students, I'm not really sure how this played out. I'm just, uh, it's not realistic, right? Like it's, you You know. know. I want to interrupt here and say that, you know, we we did plan to have uh, a guest uh, on today's episode yeah uh, we wanted a teacher's perspective because i, I want to know um kind of like what the you know how is it now like how is it presented to kids now because i know it's yeah. still presented in some way but um like i wanted that nice primary source so it, it makes me me think of because uh, uh, like I said, it's it, for me. It's hard for me to put myself back in that kid's like shoes, and I think with a teacher's perspective and getting those inquiries, like that instant feedback, because they're right in your fucking face. Um, but yeah. Well, I think you know, going back to your original point, like would this work? It's like <sighs> that. The, the situation we just did, that doesn't happen, right? But that's what those role plays feel like. But in reality, you're going to be at a house party, you know, maybe doing, maybe you're having a drink and you're going to be sitting on a couch or something and, you know, some stoner guy is going to come and sit next to you with his joint and ask you if you want to hit it. And 
that's gonna be the first time you're like that's that's the i'm very tactile learner <laughs> you know i have to be you have to experience it before well yeah. what i'm saying is it's like it's not that you're on the playground after school by yourself and some you mm-hmm. know 18 year old comes up to you and offers you drugs like that's not what happens that's not how people do drugs for the first time and so it's weird that they put it in that perspective like just some rando is gonna be like he must be a desperate drug dealer to fucking go up to a rando even if it's not some rando even if it's like another kid in your class like they're not just gonna come up to you after school and ask you if you want to do drugs with them you know yeah yeah, maybe not. They're going to invite you over for like a sleepover, fill you out, see if you're cool or not. Mm. And then they're going to offer it to you. And that's when you're going to be in a situation where you have to decide, like, do I want this person to be my friend and to like me? Hmm. And like, that's where the real peer pressure comes in. It's like you're not you don't have an escape route. You don't have an advisor waiting to have an appointment with you. You're in a moment where you have to make a decision and maybe you can't just say no. Maybe that's not an option. Right. You're put in a situation where it's like, I don't know, not forced upon you. It makes me think of the movie Super Bad whenever uh, <laughs> Michael Sarah goes into that one room to call his girlfriend or whatever, yes. like bad reception. And like the dudes who do the coke come in <laughs> and they close the door behind him. He's yeah. like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> like, uh, in that situation, you can't, like, say no. Well, I mean, he just sang, but the the one crazy guy who was doing the coke, like, I'm sure if it, you know, a real situation, I'm sure somebody's been caught up in that, like, where they're, like, stuck in a room and can't say no. I'm sure it's, you know, I can't think of. I've never, and it's no like, personal ones come to mind. But. I know, and same here, but it's like, what are the strategies there? I don't know any of the strategies there because they just told me, you know, to just say no and to walk away, but I'm in the basement out of a fraternity party. <laughs> oh like, God. what are you going to do, you know? Mm. I don't fuck? know. Yeah. They're, I think at the end of the day, unless you're teaching kids real skills, I don't know. It's all still going to be a bunch of horseshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this is kind of important. I was trying to decide if it was important. (laughs) Um, but dares, so dares limited influence on adolescent drug use behavior contrasts with the program's popularity and prevalence. I think that's kind of the gist of everything is what I was going for there. Um, so in the study, the, um, authors find an important implication is that dare could be taking the place of other more beneficial drug use curricula that adolescents could be receiving, which I think we all agree on at this point, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and so actually the no child left behind act actually caused people to realize that this was going on and the lack of effectiveness that dare was having. Are you familiar with the no child left behind act, David? Uh, you know, it's always said it's, I, it wasn't, I don't know, somebody in like maybe in the Obama administration was really like into it. I think maybe even Michelle, um, so I'm pretty sure this was before Obama. So oh, okay. the no um, child. Yeah, it's like I know it by name, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So when. I'm going to read a little bit about it. The No Child Left Behind Act of 2001 had its origin in the July 1998 U.S. Department of Education rule called the Principles of Effectiveness. 
This rule, which was passed in light of a spike in youth drug use in the 90s, required school districts receive state funding to plan and evaluate their drug prevention and response programs. So basically, they were like, uh, obviously something's up because, you know, drug use is up among youth. And so... Um, when this happened, that was when the lack of effectiveness of D.A.R.E. was revealed. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe George W. actually initiated No Child Left Behind. But um, let's see. Barack Obama actually criticized it um, and its emphasis on testing. So I think there's... There were good things that came out of No Child Left Behind, but what Obama's issue with it was that um, it's kind of what relied on like end of year tests and stuff like that for kids to continue on through school. Interesting. Um, Unlike star testing tax, all that kind of thing. Um, So Obama didn't like that. But if it weren't for No Child Left Behind, um, the issues of D.A.R.E., would have never been revealed. So there's that. Um, so, um, Dare <laughs> recognized its lack of effectiveness after this act, and the Dare team created a new course called Keeping It Real. Oh, God. <laughs> KIR. Um, differs, it differs in both form and content from the former program. Um, it allegedly replaces long drug fact laden lectures with interactive lessons. Um, and these lessons are supposed to present stories that are supposed to help kids make smarter decisions. Um, in 2009, DARE administrators required middle schools across the country um, that teach the program to switch over to the 10-week research design curriculum for 7th graders. So, um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but DARE originally targeted, like, young kids. It was, like, 5th and 4th grade, maybe. Maybe 5th and 6th, but I want to say it was, like, 5th and 4th originally, and then they kind of moved it up to 6th. This new program starts with 7th graders. It's 10 weeks, which seems kind of long to me, but um, apparently it's research designed. Um, And then by 2013, they did have elementary schools start teaching a version of those lessons um, to 5th and 6th graders. So... um, it kind of like is like a stepping stone for the KRR keeping it real. Right. Um, and so the co-developer of the new curriculum is Michelle Miller Day, or one of the co-developers is Michelle Miller Day. And she is adamant that it's not an anti-drug program, um, which is hopeful. I don't know how true that can be, but... Hmm. Um, Using the word adamant really is like, I mean, gives it gives off the breath that you said stepping stone, but I'm even looking at it now and it's like, you know, it still has its problems. Um, Yeah. I mean, she says that now it's about things like being honest and safe and responsible. Um, 
Even so, Keeping It Real has reduced substance abuse and maintained anti-drug attitudes over time among students in early trials, an achievement that largely eluded the former iteration of the program. So at the same time, I see this as both a good and bad thing. Like if kids have these anti-drug attitudes, like sure, just say no is, you know, best, I guess. I don't know. But it's like, it's still just one train of thought. Hmm. When uh, you said uh, attitudes, um, that makes me think of like that. Maybe when I said, uh, you know, mentioning the moralistic, like black and white earlier, like, you know, I I knew that drugs were bad, um, you know. I don't know, some worse than others. I think maybe even I'm kind of repeating myself, but I don't, do you think, do you find any like flaws with this? Um, do you think that there could be something better? I hate to get so like, you know, propose that kind of question, you know, um, cause it can go in a lot of different directions, but well, I think if we can move past abstinence and teach safe sex, like you should be able to. That's a parallel. Definitely. I, I don't want to say teach safe drug use because how do you do that? But I mean, it's a matter of looking at not just substances that are illegal, but substances that, you know, are prescription or are legal, but like hmm. are still as equally as harmful. Right. So it's. There's a, a, a method or a way there, right, to show that there's a safe way to engage with drugs, just like there's a safe way to have sex. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I like that. I don't know what that is, but they don't pay me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So going on, um, not everyone in the public health community is convinced the new dare is any better than the old dare. Um, so that kind of makes me feel better for still being skeptical of it. Nice. Um, a peer-reviewed study published last year found that specific versions of Keeping It Real, um, the curriculum used within it by DARE, haven't actually been tested for for efficacy, so efficiency if it's actually working. Um, <laughs> and if it's, you know, working across the board. Right. The systematic review revealed major shortfalls in evidence bases for the KIR DARE program. Um, Keeping it real. What? Is that what K... Yeah, keeping it real. Yeah. Yes. KIR, keeping it real. Um, There was a study where the authors concluded that without empirical evidence, we cannot conclusively confirm or deny the effectiveness of the program. However, we can conclude that the evidence basis for DARE, um, or the the evidence basis for the KIR version of DARE is weak, and that there is substantial reason to believe that KIR DARE may not be suited for nationwide implementation. So again, it's like, and, and I think too, like, the word efficacy sometimes makes me think of the word equity. Okay, how so? And so I, I feel like there are going to be kids in certain communities who are going to need different types of programs, right? Like, it's yeah. it's not fair to assume that kids in a rural community are going to 
have the same understanding of of drugs as kids in an urban community. So I think as much as they're like trying to say there's going to be this one thing that does it all, that can't exist. You have to get really specialized. That's interesting thought. Yeah. What do you think? Hmm. You know, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I think maybe I was like I had undertones earlier about just like I see. I see the cracks still, and we'll definitely. I think we'll get into it to our takeaways. This is one that I had. You know, fuck it. I'll just say it now. Um, this idea of. Um, I don't know. Putting something out, um, testing, like get, get, having all these data points, gaining data, uh, so to speak, um, and then evaluating it and then improvising on that. I think I, I see it everywhere. Like I see it with my podcast. Like, uh, you know, I started, you know, you know, first episode, it was like, it was definitely a test episode. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, I took what I've learned, you know, since the beginning of it and then, uh, you know, try to make it better. You know, same with the social media aspect of it, but it even bleeds into, you know, industry. That's how businesses fucking work, you know, at least the successful ones, they'll, you know, that's why they got, you know, uh, what do they call them? The, where they gather a, a group and, um, give them like, like, what do you think of um, this new product of ours? Oh, like a focus know? group. A focus group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They do it with movies all the time. Yeah, um, you know that's interesting. To kind of wrap this up a little bit, um, and maybe this will kind of, I don't know, leave us with some food for thought. Um, concerns remain regarding the appropriateness of the Keeping It Real Dare program. Keeping it real has only been tested on a narrow audience and may not be appropriate for DARE's larger audience. Keeping it real may not be effective in reducing substance use among elementary school students, which I'm like, are we paying money for that to be studied? Like, are elementary school students, like, are they doing drugs? Like, yeah, the kids talk about generational divide. Oh my God. Are they just Starting like, them off early. <laughs> Doing lines, doing PE, oh like, I don't understand. I I don't so like, oh, my God. Like, oh my God. I don't, oh, okay, yeah, okay, so yes, I do, because you made me think of this, because you brought up social media, and I'm like, you know, that's where kids are going to see drug use for the first time, for one, right. and like, what are we doing if we're going to talk about peer pressure and really center kids in this conversation, it's gotta have some sort of relationship to social media and how you interact with that. Because what kids see on social media is what they're going to do in real life. And we just have to kind of accept that. I feel like that fucking breaks it out of the box. Cause kids will see something way more fucked up on the internet. Yeah. Like on, you know, social media or anything, you know, um, Oh and man! Look at these like body image, uh, you know, you know, conversations coming into like how people you know view themselves and stuff. So it's like I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird because that that's a lot of strands. That's kind of opening up a whole Pandora's box. Well, yeah, I know, and I I don't mean to do that, but it's it makes me think because um there's another episode of American Horror Stories that kind of centers around how we get our value from social media mm-hmm. and. 
it's like as much as we know that kids shouldn't do that, they're going to do it anyways. And it's like, I don't know. I just think about how far that's been taken. And in that episode of American Horror Stories, it goes so far. But there's so many times in real life that we can point to. Like, wasn't it one of like Logan Paul or whoever who like showed the dead person in a forest like the suicide or whatever i I forgot about that like it's just so messed up like you're exactly right like what kids are gonna see on the internet is so much worse than what's gonna happen to them in real life and if we're not giving them those tools to navigate those situations which i think fundamentally start with acknowledging children's mental health and that it's real and valid Mm -hmm. like nothing they're not going to see these like rates of kids doing drugs or drinking or smoking. They're not going to see those rates go down until they truly address those issues. Anyways, sorry. No, no, that was a great point. <laughs> was, um, it's, hmm, it's, it's making me think of, uh, you know, I don't, we were talking just about, you know, that they're, I don't think I forgot to mention it in the um, reminiscing part, you know, segment, but um, those fucking commercials, all the commercials that you see, like, don't, or, you know, the, you know, in that same vein of don't do drugs yes. or whatever. Like, I, at the least, at least I think, I think about it, you know, at least once a month or something about that one girl being and melted, melting into, into the, the couch. couch. Everybody yeah. does. <laughs> I, I think about that all the time when Jessica did drugs. Jessica's not cool when she does drugs. Or I don't know. Yeah. Jessica used to do stuff whenever. Yeah. <laughs> whenever she wasn't smoking marijuana or whatever the fuck, you know. Yes. Um, and it's, Do you have any memories of any particular ones? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember that one for sure. I can see that one in my head. Um... I feel like there's one that's been on lately that's like about how this girl starts vaping and she throws oh. her life away. <laughs> it has a sense of that too. Oh my god. So it has a sense of the the non you know stuff. Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier, the you know, whenever cigarettes used to be you know, I'm thinking of Mad Men when they fucking just smoke a cigarette yeah. fucking anywhere into everywhere they could, you know. Um, and how that, you know, slowly changed. There was like, I was scrolling on Instagram the other day that it's just, it's Olympics time whenever we're yeah. recording this. And uh, I saw this like old photo of like cigarette or Olympics branded cigarettes. Uh, like, I can't remember what year it was exactly, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just makes me think of that. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that because I almost like, I wasn't even going to go there with this because i just didn't think about it but um to bring this more into the zeitgeist before we go into our conspiracy corner um yeah i mean this whole issue it it shows kids black and white and so then you have people like michael phelps you have the track star what was her name uh something simone no, that you're thinking of the gymnast. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Richardson, Shikari Richardson. Oh, okay. Um, do, you, do you remember reading about I, her? I've, I've read a few articles. I, I don't know. She That's found not- out from a news reporter that her biological mother died, and 
she smoked weed to cope with that and it tested positive so she couldn't compete or something like that. And it's like, I mean, are we going to not recognize that this substance helped her mental health to the point that it's like, we're just going to say it's bad. Like mm-hmm. it's bad. You did that. You have to be punished. Right. It doesn't make any sense. And and I mean, the same goes for any athletes who've been in that predicament. Yeah. You said Michael Phelps. I'm thinking of him specifically. And it's like, are there the lines that need to be drawn? Sure. I guess. Like, I don't know though. Cause it's like steroids. Do those, you know, really make or break your performance? Mm-hmm. Like I, I genuinely don't know enough about the subject to tell you. Right. You know, I was uh, in the car the other day listening to NPR. They did a story about uh, doping back when I guess it was like Barry Bonds and the home, like home run yeah. league or whatever. The oh, fuck. okay. And just uh, like they have this whole fucking trial about, I guess they had like an investigation going on, That's like right. who was supplying it or whatever. Um, some like, you know, mob family or whatever, but they, um, kind of gave him uh, immunity, uh, to like speak about it. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent definitely, but like, I don't know. It's weird to think about all these little tiny examples that we have of individuals like Barry Bonds. I was thinking about him in particular. Yeah. Um, like being caught up in, in something like that. And, uh, like, uh, who, who the fuck, uh, is that guy who, uh, rides the bike? Uh, oh, Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Yeah. I was thinking about him. Yeah. Too. yeah. And, and that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up too, because it's like, where is that in the keeping it real? you know dialogue where where are those situations where it's like your career is on the line Mm -hmm. you have to make choices you have to make options it does come back to how david started this it's it's a moral predicament yeah they the authorities uh who you can take that you can put a lot of you know things in there as the authority but um they make it very black and white and it's not the case it's not the case there's it's i think we i think i talk about it a lot here on the podcast it's just there's so many layers and it's it's not it's not black and white there's uh there's we have to create these variables and then different i don't know strats to i don't know take it case by case basis i guess maybe is what i'm trying to say um i don't know it's interesting um the I almost the tendrils feel, that this conversation is having. I almost feel like people don't people or maybe it's like people accept a dare for so long because they don't want to be confronted with the truth that that's the case, that it isn't just black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I don't know, man. Each situation is different. Are you ready for this week's conspiracy? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Um, so aside from the whole dare program being the a conspiracy, old dare program. the entire thing was a conspiracy there. Let's be real. Um, but I found this like weird website that was like trying to convince me that dare is responsible for perpetuating the idea of a new world order. 
Have you heard about this no. like new world order thing? I don't even know if I should be saying this or oh if someone's going to come and kill me. Oh Please don't. Now, um, apparently it's like some wild conspiracy that um, hypothesizes a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. And Dare is partially responsible for perpetuating it. Although I kind of am inclined to believe that. Yeah. Talking about <laughs> earlier, like brainwashing. It's like it wasn't to the degree that they wanted it to. Yeah. You know, that's something, uh, something that I've always been really curious about is like, like, um, what was it back in the cold war when they were having sleeper agents, like Russian sleeper agents. Uh, and we, I don't know, like just the mechanism of trying to brainwash somebody and, and shit like that. And, um, Definitely, like in Dare's case, it, it was you know, it, it was definitely to a way lesser degree. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I so mean, like, it's, it's like it's it's like it's like you, I don't know, just like flick me with your opinion. Like okay, like I take I took it and ran, you know, like whatever, you know. Yeah, I guess I'll form my own opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I don't know. I mean, I think. If Dare does anything and there are kids who are forming their own opinions, then perhaps that's one potential good. Mm, oh, okay. I want to I want to kind of retract but what I just said. I said take it and run with it, but it also goes into the other context of um somebody taking this I looked at of it at it as like, oh, whatever, that's not like factually right, but somebody like uh, we talked about earlier, just taking taking it, yeah. and running with, or like uh, like the baloney thing, like you know, uh, just like like oh okay, and for the next two, until the start of this podcast, believe that baloney would <laughs> peel the paint off somebody's car. You know, it, it, when you said New World Order, just it gave me Nazi vibes because a lot yeah. of people in Germany that you know that I, at least I have my specialization is like World War eras and like the people in Germany who just kind of took it and ran with it, the like just went along with it. It's just, it's kind of interesting. Uh, give me, give me weird vibes. I mean, you're right. It all kind of, um, does go back to that idea of authority. And unless you're inclined to challenge it, like, and, and I think that's a certain attitude in itself is that unless you're inclined to challenge it, you're just going to accept it. And that is why I think kids shouldn't even maybe even be placed in that situation. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I've always found it very weird, like even the um, just even having it introduced there, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm so I'm still. I feel like I'm. It wasn't until really like college, I, you know. You, I think you cement certain like morals at different ages and age groups. Like, um, I don't know. I learned a lot more about you know, um, you know, drugs in college and then high school. You know, comparatively with like yeah, elementary, middle school. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. It's like, should we even expose? children to something like that um at that young of an age until they get more of a grasp like more of a grasp on like i was talking about the war on drugs like i didn't have a grasp on that when i was younger yeah maybe maybe having uh you know i don't know i don't know where i was going with that but and i mean there's a war on anything 
<laughs> really benefit anyone. We should just call it war now. <laughs> just just a perpetual war. A war. Just war. Just war. <laughs> of nothing. <laughs> the war of nothing. All oh, that's right. fucking deep. <laughs> yeah, war of, that's like Seinfeld, but with war. Oh just gosh. kidding. Anyways, David, so what do you take away from from all of this? Shannon, I think I want to let you go this week. I want to I want to simmer on mine a first. You're gonna let me go first. Yeah. You know, I think um I feel like I was very opinionated already throughout this whole sort of bit and probably went on too many tangents, but for me um, really, you kind of made my takeaway stand out to me because it's this idea of authority. And when we have authority or when we are using authority or when we're reacting to authority, how have we been taught to navigate that? And it's like you want to say that you'll challenge it when you're faced with something that you know is wrong but there are times when you know that can't always be the case. Like I'm thinking, for instance, there have been so many times where I felt like I've witnessed an injustice or something at work and it's not like I can just quit my job. Like I can't do that. I have to figure out, well, what can I do in this circumstance to make sure that doesn't happen again, to make the situation better? Like what can I do? And so you have to find ways I think of challenging authority that aren't always sometimes they do break the law sometimes they don't sometimes you have to be creative or crafty but as I think as long as you have that kind of idea in mind that you don't always have to just accept things for what they are that that's the way you're going to create change in your own life. And so I remember in college, I heard this quick, uh, this great quote that was like, um, always shoot for an A minus because that means you're still challenging authority. Oh, nice. And yeah. I just always keep that in mind. And I don't know, maybe you guys will too, or you all will too now. Um, but I think in relationship to dare, that's, what I'm taking away from this episode is that, you know, I'm not just going to accept being told to wear wacky socks or have a wild hair day. Right. I'm going to question things more now. Hmm. Oh, man, that's that's deep, Shan. I really that was good. Um, I. Hmm. I think maybe in the same vein, I would have to say. Uh, I was thinking about the, you know, Big Brother. Uh, we were talking about 1984 very briefly yeah, earlier. I think maybe even I brought this up in another episode. Uh, but I don't know. Um, this prevalence of, I don't want to make it about authority. I do not want you to take, um, what I'm saying about authority in this way. It's just like these ideal, ideal, Deals, morals, whatever you want to call it, when they're prevalent and this is the only information that is presented to you and you have no out. That Pandora's box isn't open for you and you get, you know, loads of new information about, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know. That even brings it back to the, I think last episode we were talking about ignorance. Um, like, I don't know. 
it breeds, I, I think that sort of environment definitely breeds that ignorance. And, um, I just, yeah. I guess but my point, what I'm wanting to make is that we, I, I said a little bit earlier, like taking in new information, reevaluating and then improving. I think that's what I want to keep it at is that, you know, I see it everywhere. It's like the gears turning. Um, and when the cogs stop in, you know, their situation, like they weren't, you know, properly testing, they were taking variables outside and they were only recognizing certain variables and, and studies and things like that. Um, and when those like cogs get jammed, it's just, it's hard to, I don't know, it wrecks the whole system. And then, fucking, yeah. you know, fucking, uh, I'm just thinking about like <laughs> resistance groups. My mind has gone a lot to a lot of different, like I'm thinking about climate change, like, um, you know, guerrilla resistance groups who are opposing, you know, dictatorships and shit like that. And I just keep um, thinking of that band rage against the machine. <laughs> I, I love them. I love it. What, what, I mean, how so? What do you mean? Well, like that's, like there's the machine right oh yeah yeah or just i don't know hmm, yeah let's take the power back shall yeah I, there it is that's what take mm. the power back yeah oh that's a good i, I love that good that's job a, david like that's mm-hmm. a rage against the machine song but <laughs> 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 yes do take the power back the power being the information like you need to educate yourself I think that's that's funny. I was thinking about it earlier too. Like that, maybe that's just the. I, that's why I wanted to have another guest on there is because we are so I don't know academically inclined that it's been an I don't know ingratiated in us to evaluate new information. Yeah, you know, um, and then can I move forward with it? You know, um, and not move backwards. So, yeah, I like that. Take the power back power back well, keep moving forward right shannon you got anything else you want to you want to mention anything else in regards to dare i don't know um so dare's fake news fake news definitely fake news the end yeah no i agree i agree we'll see what they come up with next maybe they can hire me dare yeah keeping it um, real the, I, well, I was gonna save it for the end but I, my sign off was gonna be i'm gonna go keep it real <laughs> sorry I stole that. you can still say it no i i had a good laugh just uh, i'll say it anyway if i <laughs> want to go do some drugs david no oh my god right <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. well as we wrap up uh i do want to remind everyone that uh, to go subscribe to the facebook and the instagram pages um also subscribe to our patreon uh, you you could have listened to this episode a little bit earlier. Uh, we could on Friday instead of Sunday. Ooh, Ooh if you go. Uh, I think that's the second taller tier. You know, can I get your opinion, Shannon? Have you ever seen um, There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis? Uh, probably, but that's a long-ass movie. It is a long-ass <laughs> movie. Um, but uh, no, I was just trying to like, um, tr- not troubleshoot, but trying to figure out like the first bonus episode. That's another um tear you don't want to watch that i did already oh it's good it's good it's great like you can analyze it a lot there's a lot of anyways maybe you can just talk at me about it oh, Lord, <laughs> Lord. okay but yeah i'll make it easy for you just uh, there's links in the show notes 
Um, Shannon? Yeah. Oh, are we I signing hope. off? Yeah. I gotta go listen to Purple Rain. Bye. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs>